Norman Mears. And Norman Mears, stay with me. He's an author, a writer, and a powerful speaker. Yes, and we're honored to have him. Bless you. I receive that. Well, happy Tuesday, everybody. Ah, relax. We're all here just to hear from the Lord and take it easy. You know, uh, for some time, uh, the Lord has had me in Hebrews chapter 4. And I felt like with my time, and com time coming up to speak that uh, he'd have me speak along those lines. Uh, the title I've chosen is, What Do We Do When Things Are Out of Our Control? Some, sometimes life seems like a nightmare that we can't wake up from. We're hit by one thing after another after another. We have no control. We're powerless to help ourselves. Our minds are stressed. Our emotions are raging. How do we handle that? I'm sure nobody else in here has ever experienced that. Hebrews chapter 4, God gives us some insight using the children of Israel in the wilderness as an example. Let me say, as we get started, um, I feel that there are a number of people in this church and even in this room that are better qualified to speak on this subject than I am. But uh, I feel like this is where the Lord's led me. And so here we go. God delivered the children of Israel out of slavery in Egypt. He shielded them from the plagues, including the death of every firstborn, and brought them out with all the wealth of Egypt. They were pretty well positioned, weren't they? They came out without one sick or lame among them, crossed the Red Sea on dry land, and saw Pharaoh's army drown behind them. God covered them with a cloud by day and the pillar of fire at night. He fed them with manna every day. They found themselves in the wilderness where their lives were out of their control. Ever been there? Me too. They were utterly dependent on God. Despite all that God did for them, they became dissatisfied with God's provision, ungrateful, and they complained. God wanted them to enter his rest, but they could not because of their unbelief, hardness of heart, and disobedience. God admonishes us not to follow this example. He wants us to become comfortably dependent on him. And he tells us how. One, believe. Two, rest. Three, rely on the spirit and deny the flesh. And four, allow him to work. Let's look at each one using the verses of Hebrews 4. 
Number one, our first way of becoming comfortable, comfortably dependent on God is to believe. Hebrews 4.1 Therefore, since a promise remains of entering his rest, let us fear, lest any of you seem to fall short of it. A. We, come, we enter God's rest because his promises remains for us. And all the promises of God in him are yes, and in him, amen, to the glory of God through us. 2 Corinthians 1.20 Hebrews 10.35 and 36 advises us, Do not cast away your confidence, which, is great, which has great reward, for you have need of endurance, so that after you have done the will of God, you may inherit the promise. B. Entering God's rest is so important that we should fear not entering it. A generation actually died in the wilderness, short of God's rest. In Numbers 14.29, God pronounced, The carcasses of you who have complained against me shall fall in this wilderness. All of you who were numbered, according to your entire number, from 20 years old and above. Think of that. A whole generation perished. And the Bible tells us fear, lest we would fall short of the promise. But God's promises are yes and amen, aren't they? See, we can seem to fall short of entering God's rest. The classic Amplified Bible says, lest any of you think he has come too late and, ha and has come short of reaching it. So God's rest is available and waiting for us to enter. Praise the Lord. Hebrews 4.2 For indeed the gospel was preached to us as well as to them. But the word which they heard did not profit them, not being mixed with faith in those who heard it. A. The gospel was preached to us as well. So we are similarly poised. The children of Israel were dissatisfied with God's provision. They were spoiled. We too can get used to what God has blessed us with. And we become discontented with what he has provided. It's simply human nature. How do we react when things don't go our way? When God doesn't meet our expectations? Or when we're disappointed? Do we remain contented? B. We can be contented, not complaining, and also have faith for greater things at the same time. Joyce Meyer read the following statement in her August 13, 2023 broadcast of Enjoying Everyday Life. She said, the attitude, of uh, the attitude of contentment has a voice. It says you trust God. It says you are thankful for what you have. Be content and satisfied with what you have, and God will release more 
as you are ready. Contentment is the doorway to happiness. It is spiritual warfare against the devil. If you are not content, then you are looking in the wrong places for fulfillment. Ouch. Remember that things cannot satisfy. Only God himself and being in his will can satisfy completely. If you are not satisfied, do not seek what the world has to offer. Seek God. Quite a statement, isn't it? That, that, that was amazing, an amazing statement that she made. C, the classic Amplified Bible says, Neither were they united in faith with the ones, Joshua and Caleb, who heard, that is, did believe. It's important to unite ourselves in faith with those who hear and believe like Joshua and Caleb. I am so thankful to be here at River of Life where we have people, brothers and sisters, who believe this way. And when we're, when we're in trouble, believe me, this body lifts you up. This body supports you in the spirit. And you can cruise through things that could otherwise be devastating. Amen? Okay, number two. Our second way of becoming comfor comfortably dependent on God is to rest. Hebrews 4.3 For we who have believed do enter that rest. As he has said, so I swore in my wrath, they shall not enter my rest. Although the works were finished from the foundation of the world. A. When the writer said, we, we who have believed, he was addressing Hebrew Christians. As Christians, we rest in God's finished work of Christ, the lamb slain before the foundation of the world. Revelation 13, 8. B, we who have believed, past tense, do enter that rest, present tense. In a crisis, we need to have believed. A crisis is not the time to build our faith. It's not the time to build our relationship with God. We know God is faithful because we have experienced his faithfulness before the crisis. Amen? C. God's works concerning you were finished from the foundation of the world. Psalm 139.16 says, Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed, and in your book they all were written. The days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Imagine that. Imagine that. When, when the word tells us that God's works were finished from the foundation of the world, every problem we have, God foresaw from the foundation of the world and made provision then. Then. 
Glory to God. How can we doubt? But we're human. We're human. Okay, uh, that was C. Let's move on to D. One time, uh, Brother Festus, you, you remember Brother Festus, uh, said, said this, or, or something similar to this to me and Vicki. He said, uh, we believe with the heart, but our flesh wants to feel and our mind wants to reason. We believe with the heart, but our flesh wants to feel and our mind wants to reason. When we believe in our heart, God is acting on our faith, regardless of whether or not our minds and our emotions are unsettled. Just because we're unsettled doesn't mean we have not believed. So stand fast in your faith. Brother Festus said, we are too important for God to leave things up to us. Isn't that amazing? God is in control. Hebrews 4.4 4. For he has spoken in a certain place of the seventh day in this way. God rested on the seventh day from all his works. A, Genesis 2.2. On the seventh day, God ended his work, which he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work, which he had done. B, Exodus 20, verse 11. For in six days, the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore, the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Hebrews 4, 6. Since therefore it remains that some must enter it, that is God's rest, and those to whom it was first preached did not enter because of disobedience. Only the obedient enter God's rest. Think about that. Only the obedient enter God's rest. How can we possibly rest in God when we're being disobedient? It's not enough to hear. We have to obey what we hear. And further, we have to soften our hearts to hear. Number three, our third way of becoming comfortably dependent on God is to rely on the spirit and deny the flesh. Hebrews 4, 7. Today, if you will hear his voice, do not harden your hearts. A. A hardened heart keeps us from hearing God. That's pretty serious, isn't it? That's pretty serious. B. A heart hardened with offense, unforgiveness, resentment, and self-direction dulls our hearing. C, we need a soft heart 
to hear God's voice. We soften our heart by submitting to the word and the spirit of God. Moving on to Hebrews 4.10. For he who has entered his rest has himself also ceased from his works as God did from his. A. After creating the heavens and the earth in six days, God rested and was refreshed. Exodus 31.17 states, it is the sign between me and the children of Israel forever. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, and on the seventh day he rested and was refreshed. B. We enter God's rest when we stop working. C. We enter God's rest by seeking his will over our own. One day not too long ago, I just heard these words coming out of my mouth. Where does frustration come from? And then I felt like the Lord said, frustration, frustration comes from not having our own way. Think about that. If we're not trying to have our own way, how can we be frustrated? I was frustrated for some time. I, well, I still get frustrated a lot. <laughs> but I, I, I was thinking, well, I, I'm just frustrated. But wow, frustration comes out of not having our own way. So my being frustrated was not a good thing. It wasn't something light, was it? If we're feeling frustrated, we haven't ceased from our own works. Glory to God. Hebrews 4.11 Let us therefore be diligent to enter that rest, lest anyone fall according to the same example of disobedience. A. Entering God's rest doesn't come automatically. It requires diligence. We need to be diligent to know God in the good times, to practice hearing his voice and obeying him in the little things, to study to show ourselves approved, and to complete our assignments. B. Diligence leads to obedience. Without diligence, we are subject to falling into disobedience. Number four. Our fourth way of becoming comfortably dependent on God is to allow God to work. Hebrews 4.12 says, For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow, and is a discerning of the thoughts and intents of the heart. A, the, class, the classic Amplified Bible states this verse this way. 
For the word that God speaks is alive and full of power, making it active, operative, energizing, and effective. So we need to be quiet before the Lord and listen. And when we hear, we need to obey. B, our soul, tainted by the world, must be separated from our human spirit for us to accurately hear God and to receive what he is saying. We, we relate to the world through our mind and we relate to God through our hearts. When Adam and Eve fell, the word said that they died, right? Their souls, they, they, their spirits ceased to function. So their soul was no longer receiving life from God through the Spirit, because the Spirit was dead. So the soul became tainted or contaminated by the world because it was cut off from God and open to the world. And through Adam and Eve, we find ourselves in a similar position. Before we're saved, our soul is influenced by the things of the world. We don't know to turn away from those things. We don't know that those things are contaminating our soul. So in order to hear God accurately and receive what he has to say, our spirit needs to be separated from our soul. And that takes place when we quiet ourselves before the Lord. Just as Hebrews 4.12 says, allowing him to divide our soul and our spirit. So see, we need to take time for God to expose to us the thoughts and purposes of our hearts to reveal to us the hardness of our heart, our attitudes, offenses, resentment, jealousy, envy, strife, and more, and follow his instruction. I'll tell you what. When you prostrate yourself before the Lord in this fashion, it's amazing what he reveals. It's amazing what he reveals. And I think we'll probably never, never achieve perfection, right? But the more that we'll prostrate ourselves before him, 
the more that we'll open ourselves before him. I'm jumping ahead a little bit, I think, here too. The more he can reveal these hidden things of a heart that are keeping us from hearing God as well as we could, that are keeping us from being able to rest in him. And the reason we don't know it is because we're not spending quiet time before him and allowing him to reveal it to us. Hebrews 4.13 And there is no creature hidden from his sight, but all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. We are naked and open before God. He knows everything. Therefore, we should open our entire being to him for his inspection and his correction and allow him to refine us according to his will. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works that he has prepared beforehand for us to walk in. Ephesians 2.10 Hebrews 4, 14 and 15. <clears throat> Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do, we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Jesus understands our weaknesses. He faced the same challenges we faced, and he conquered them. Through Jesus, we enter God's rest. In Christ, we come boldly to the throne of grace. Hebrews 4, chapter 16. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Come boldly to the throne of grace in Christ. Enter fully into God's rest, knowing he has made all provision for you from the foundation of the world. Amen. I might just, just share this testimony. Back in 1999, <clears throat> I had a brother, and he was an alcoholic. He had been hospitalized and was finally released. I drove him some miles to another town where he could go into a, a place to help him. And he refused to get out of the car. The people there at the center said they couldn't force him. So I drove him home. And in tears, I told him how much he had to live for. 
I guess it was about a month later, early in the morning, he called me on the phone. He had fallen on the floor and he couldn't get back into bed. So I went over there. I couldn't help him. And we, we called 911. And they came and took him to the hospital in, in, the, in an ambulance. He didn't want to go to the same hospital because of his alcoholism. So he went to a different hospital. I left him there, I don't know, 7, 7.30 morning, something like that. He was coherent, and I went to work. After work, I went back to the hospital. He wasn't there. They had transferred him to the first hospital. When I got there, he was in a coma. What happened? I don't know. At the same time, my wife had become very ill. She had congestive heart failure, kidney failure. What else was it? Uh, respiratory failure. And her blood pH was spiraling out of control. We beat everything except the kidney. She was, she, she, she had lost a great deal of the use of her arms. She was beginning to lose the use of her legs. She was obese, very heavy. Some nurses in our church told me, you, you need to do something because she's going downhill. No matter what we did, the kidneys didn't seem to respond. The medical community offered no, no help, no hope. So I took her out to Mexico for alternative treatment. We went out on the train. We had a handicapped compartment. As long as she could stiffen her legs, I could get her up. But if she lost the use of her legs, there'd be nothing I could do to help her. We were two and a half days on the train. We arrived in Los Angeles on a Friday, rented a car, drove to San Diego where we met some people from the clinic in Tijuana, Mexico, and followed them to Tijuana. Checked in uh, Friday night, and I received word that my brother wasn't expected to live the next day. So Saturday, Or was it Sunday? It's been a number of years. It was, it was, okay, I, I got word on Saturday. Sunday, I flew back to Tallahassee, Florida. My, my son had gone, gone to my brother Bob and said, Dad's on his way. Just hang on. I went in to see him Monday morning. 
He was comatose. The phone rang at, at the nurse's station, and the doctor was giving me an update on the phone. And the nurse calls me back, back into the room, and he straight-lined. Before I, before I went to the nurse's station, I, I held his hand, and I said, I said, Bob, it's okay. To be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. And he passed. During that week, I arranged his funeral. We had a service for him on Saturday. I flew back to San Diego on Sunday, back to Tijuana, and my wife was worse. Two weeks to the day that my brother died, my wife passed away in Tijuana, Mexico. That was the worst time of my life. But I'll tell you something else. That was the best time of my life. God was with me like he had never been with me before. I knew his love like I have never known his love before or since. I wish I knew his love now like I did then. The rest of God. What happens when things are out of our control? Are we going to be discontented? Are we going to complain? Or are we going to trust our maker? Okay, conclusion. What do we do when things are... Let me start again. What do we do when things are out of our control? Comes down to one word. Trust. Trust. Our trust increases with knowing God and experiencing him. It's supernatural. It comes from within. Whom do we trust? In whom do we place our confidence? We place our confidence in our Father God and our Lord Jesus Christ. In Christ, summarizing, in Christ we believe. We are contented with God's blessings, not complaining, and still have faith for greater things. We have confidence that God works God's works concerning us were finished from the foundation of the world. In Christ, we rest. We cease from our works as God rested from his. In Christ, we rely on the spirit and deny the flesh. We soften our hearts to hear God's voice and obey him. We exercise diligence to know God and practice hearing his voice and obeying him. In Christ, we allow God to work. We yield ourselves to God for him to expose to us the thoughts and purposes of our hearts. 
showing us the hardness of our heart, our attitudes, offenses, resentment, jealousy, envy, strife, and more. We open our entire being to God for his inspection and correction. In Christ, we come confidently to the throne of grace, resting in God's boundless provision through his mercy and grace. In Christ, we rest confidently in God's rest when we have no control and are powerless to help ourselves. Our confidence is in our Father God and our Lord Jesus Christ. We know God is in control. Excuse me just a moment. Okay. Our expression of confidence is quite lengthy, so I'll, I'll read it and you can repeat after me. You know what it says because we've just summarized and it's, this, it's essentially the same thing, only it's, it's written in the first person. And I'll, I'll try to break it the appropriate places. <laughs> in Christ, I believe. I am contented with God's blessings. Not complaining. And still have faith for greater things. I have confidence that God's works concerning me were finished from the foundation of the world. In Christ I rest. I cease from my works as God rested from his. In Christ I rely on the spirit and deny the flesh. I soften my heart to hear God's voice and obey him. I exercise diligence to know God in the good times. And I practice hearing his voice and obeying him. In Christ, I allow God to work. I yield to God. For him to expose to me the thoughts and purposes of my heart. Showing me the hardness of my heart. My attitudes, offenses, resentment, jealousy, envy, strife, and more. I open my entire being to God. For his, and for his inspection and correction, I come confidently to the throne of grace, resting in God's boundless provision through his mercy and his grace. I rest confidently in God's love when I have no control and am powerless to help myself. My confidence is in my Father God and my Lord Jesus Christ. 
I know God is in control. Amen.